be single, let thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye is evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? In verse 24, no man can serve two masters, for he will, he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold on to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I want to talk this morning for just a quick uh, teaching on being God's servant. Being God's servant. Would you put your Bibles down? Lord, we love you. We glorify you in this place. Lord, we've come here for your teaching. And I just pray, Lord, you'd anoint me right now. That you would just take over my mind and my lips. Lord, that you would project everything that I'm supposed to say to this congregation. Lord, I simply ask for the anointing and I ask for illumination to present itself in this congregation. Lord, we've come to serve you and we've come to love you, Lord. We love you and all that you are and let you be glorified in today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We are all called to serve. No matter in what way in our lives we are called to serve. Though we serve in different capacities, in this church there are a number of ways you can serve the church. Where you can serve friends, you can serve peers, you can serve people. Whether it be setting up for a party or planning an event or even a surprise. Or even how a couple weeks ago we had Sneaker Sunday and following Sneaker Sunday we had our John Prince Park Fellowship Day where everybody brought food and I gained five pounds and... We had the pinata for the little kids, and on and on, there was people that got there early and served and helped set up. There were people that served you food, and then there were people that stayed late to help break down. Regardless of what it may be, we all can serve to a certain capacity in our lives. The Bible calls us to serve God and God only. However, we will not have the right motive in serving the Lord if we do not serve him for this very reason. If we do not serve the Lord for this reason that I'm about to say, we will not have the right intention, motive, and drive to serve the Lord. Our first reason for serving the Lord must be this and this only, that we love the Lord. If, er, if us serving is predicated on anything else, we will not have the right intention nor motive. This is important because the Lord has established throughout the Bible that his people are to love him. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And verse 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. This is incredibly important because it is stated again in the New Testament. In Mark 12 and verse 28, one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asking him, what is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered and he said, the first of all commandments is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is incredibly important because this is the fundamental covenant that God establishes with his people. He establishes that one, there is one God and there is one God only. And the, the next part of that is that you should love the Lord thy God. Because if you can love the Lord, everything else that you do after it will be in line with the Lord. 
This is incredibly important. And in Deuteronomy 11, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. This really showed, This really was brought out to me, and I just want to share it with you guys. Deuteronomy 11, starting with verse 2, reading through verse 13. The Lord's reminding the children of Israel of where he's brought them. And he says in verse 2, And know ye this day, for I speak not with your children which have not known, and which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his stretched out arm. Verse 3, And his miracles and acts which he did in the midst of Egypt unto Pharaoh the king of Egypt and unto all his land, and what he did unto the army of Egypt, unto their horses and chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord hath destroyed them unto this day. And what he did unto you in the wilderness until you came into the place. And it continues talking about a place that they're going into. Verse 11. But the land whither you go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year unto the end of the year. And before I read verse 13, this is just a recap of what the Lord has done for the children of Israel. This is a recap of them, of God reminding his people, remember the days that you were in Egypt. Remember the days that you were in bondage. Remember the days that you were held down to slavery and remember those days but also remember the days that I stepped in in your life remember all the acts that I did on the part of the children or the, the people of Egypt and all the acts and plagues and how I hand, had my hand mightily upon you how I used your servant Moses how I was able to part the Red Sea so you could be delivered from Egypt and into a new promised land. This is a form of baptism as we know. And this is also a form of walking out of the world and stepping into church. And this is a great illustration because in verse 13, the Lord says this. He says, and it shall come to pass if you hearken diligently unto my commandments. What? God lets, God's wanting us to know that I've brought you out. You've seen my hand. Now that you're out and now that you're in and walking in the new promised land, hearken unto my commandments. Don't forget this one principle. Don't forget this one law. Don't forget this one commandment. It's the most important commandment that I have established with my people. That you should love your God. And that you shall serve him with all your heart. Because if you love the Lord with the right motive, you'll serve him in the right motive and in the right capacity. What's the point that I'm trying to get across? The Lord inevitably knew that when the children of Israel walked out of Egypt, he had to grab a hold of their hearts because it's inevitable. Whatever you love, you will serve. Whatever you love in this world, you will end up serving. So the Lord comes out and he says, I need you to understand that when they built the, uh, the, 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 uh, the idol, when Moses was up in the mount, that was wrong because God's like, no, 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 you're, you're, you're getting it backwards. I brought you out not so that you can just make idols and gods. I didn't bring you out to bring you into Christianity just to be, you know, Something that doesn't mean anything. I brought you out so that you could love me and serve me with all your heart because I have something to do in your life. I have a plan for you and I want to do something that will prosper in your life. But in order for that to happen, you must love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart. The importance of what I just said is that if we are able to do this, the power of God can work through us. And I want to love the Lord. And this commandment that is given, it's for all generations. Don't mind that. 
For he told Joshua in Joshua 22 and 5 the same thing. He said, but take diligent heed to the commandment and the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you. To the Lord your God, and walk in all of his ways, and keep his commandments, and cleave unto him, and serve him with all your heart and all your soul. This is important because this is a new generation. This is a new time. This is not the people that were under Moses' leadership. This is now the people under Joshua's leadership. And just because leadership changes, the principle must stay the same. And that's what God is telling Joshua. You see the success that Moses had. It was because he loved me and he served me with all his heart. And you too should lead the people. But Lord, love me and serve me with all your heart. Matthew 6 and verse 20 and verse 21 is the next thing that I want to talk about. Verse 20 says, But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor, nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We can set our affections on earth, or we can set our affections on things above. Where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Colossians 3 tells us that. In Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on the things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. We can lay our treasures on earth, on earth, or we can lay our treasures in heaven. The Lord laid it down as a principle that our heart will be where our treasure is also. In Bible times, much of what was treasured was in the form of costly fabrics. Purple and fine twine linen were costly. Alongside that, the Lord laid the word moth in verse 20. On the other treasure back then was in the form of costly metal. And alongside that, the Lord used the word rust. People put their treasure in a safe place. And alongside that precaution, the Lord laid the word thieves. When accumulating earthly treasure, me must beware of which rots, which, which rusts and which robs. The Lord did not condemn the desire to accumulate treasure. For he did say, lay up yourselves treasure. But he also said, lay not up for yourselves treasure. What he condemned was the useless practice for laying treasures for oneself on earth. The passion for possessions is not reviled, but it's simply redirected. The Lord told us to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. We do that by serving the Lord with our time and our talents towards the kingdom of God. We have the ability and opportunity through the power of the Holy Ghost to now live a different life. All things are come, have come become new. And now the Lord is simply trying to tell us there's a different mindset that I want you to have. There's a different perspective that I want you to have. I want you to walk according to the spirit. Not according to this flesh and this desire that says gain and gain and gain and have nice cars and have nice clothes and be able to have the nicest house and all these fancy gadgets. That's not what the Lord's trying to tell his people. The Lord's saying, I've given you my spirit. I've given you a new direction in life. Why? Because there's something that I want you to do. Don't lay your stuff here on earth where it can be stolen or where it can get rusted and you have to get a new one. 
But the Lord is saying, lay your treasures up in heaven. Because there's coming a day that my church will be with me. And I'd rather have your, your treasures in heaven where it can't be stolen. And when it gets there, it's in prime condition. I want to let you know that we are heading towards a day that the Lord is coming back. And this world is going to love itself. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. 2 Timothy 3 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, true speakers, false accusers, fierce despisers of those who are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. This is the world we're living in, and the Lord is just telling his church, love me with all your heart and serve me. Because if you can do that and lay your treasures up in heaven, that's where your heart's going to be. And I want my people to have a heart for the church. I want my people to have a heart for the kingdom. I want my people to know that they're doing the right thing and laying treasures up in heaven because it's going to be paid back to them. It's coming a day where I will come back for my people and their treasures will be in heaven. This generation will inevitably serve man or they will serve God. They will love themselves and take pride in their work. They will be selfish and have the minds of being glamorous and, instead, and focus on pleasing themselves rather than focusing on pleasing the master, Jesus Christ. Serving the Lord requires us to lose our lives, in a sense. John chapter 12, beginning with verse 20, reads as this. And there were certain Greeks among them that came to worship at the feast. The same came, therefore, to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew, Philip, tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, he will, him my father will honor. And verse 25, it says, he that loveth his life shall lose it. If you're concerned on the things of this world and how you look and how your reputation and image and how you're perceived by individuals, I'm not saying that's not important, but have the right motive. It's if it's a greedy and arrogant and boastful mentality, you're going to lose your life. But if you hate this life in this world and your only mindset and only directive in living this world is living to please Jesus and living to walk according to the Spirit, the Lord says... the and. He that hateth his life shall keep it unto eternal life. This passage brings to our attention that we must not rely on our fleshly body in this world. We are saved by the power of God in our lives and now filled with the Holy Ghost to direct ourselves in serving the Lord. Verse 26 says, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall my servant also be. So first we love the Lord with, our commandment, with the commandment that he's given us. 
then we have the ability to serve him. And in serving him, we are able to follow him. I want us in this church to be close to Jesus because I want us to follow him with everything that we have in our finances, in our love, in our servanthood. I want everything that we do to be predicated on serving and pleasing the Lord. To present our bodies as living sacrifices, wholly acceptable unto God. But serving must be for one more important reason. Because, yes, serving must be understanding that I love the Lord and that I will serve him with all my heart and all my strength and all my mind. But there's one final thing that we must understand in serving the Lord that is absolutely essential. And if we don't get this right, we can get mixed up in why we're serving. And that reason is we must serve the Lord to bring glory to the Father. To bring glory to God. If it's for any other reason, we will get mixed up in our mind. We will get mixed up in our heart. Our motives will be wrong. Everything that we do in this world, whether it is setting up platform or being here early on Sunday morning, if it's simply to be seen in the spotlight, we'll have our motives mixed up. But if it's to please God and to bring glory to the Father that's called us, our motives will be pure and they'll be right. Watch what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, that everything we do should be to glorify God. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 1 through 10, Paul introduces himself. He says, Paul, an apostle, neither of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you in peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. My God. According to the will of God and our Father. To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than what we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Verse 10. For do I now persuade men, or do I persuade God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I, please, if I yet pleased man, I should not be called a servant of God. Paul's establishing with this church, it's a new church, and he says in verse 8, If any man preach any other gospel to you, let him be accursed. He's not right. That's not truth. But we've received truth. We've received truth in our heart. We understand that baptism in Jesus' name is essential. We know repentance is essential. We know that the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues is essential. We know that one God is essential. And we know loving the Lord, that's truth. And that's what Paul's saying. That is truth. That is the word of God. There is nothing that's going to change that. What we know is truth. And God's word is truth. But he also says, if I please to seek men... I should not be called a servant of God. That is something serious right there because if I have the wrong motives, I shouldn't even be considered a servant of God because I'm serving man because my heart is not in the right place. But if we can get our mindset right, if we can get our heart right to understand that God, you've called me out of this world. You've brought me out of darkness and into your marvelous light. And my response to that 
is to serve you. And the only way I can accurately serve you is to be able to love you with all my heart, to lay my treasures up in heaven. And I want to be called a servant of God. I want to be told on that last day, enter thy good and faithful servant. I want to know that the Lord is pleased with me, that everything that I'm doing is honorable to his name and to what he's given me. We all have gifts that God's given us. Every single person in this room has a gift, a talent, an ability, whatever it may be, that can be used towards the kingdom of God. Me and my life, I just find preaching because it's the easiest thing to do. Not really, but you asked me to sing, just ask Jesse. I've been asking for four years for a singing lesson or a piano lesson. Ain't got one yet. <laughs> You're right, I'm not serious. I'm just trying to be used. But, you know, the Lord's just saying, no, 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 no. First Peter talks about the gifts that God gives us. First Peter 4, beginning with verse 7, reads as this. But the end of all things is at hand, but ye therefore, be ye therefore sober, watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Using hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man has received a gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And here it is. If any man minister, if any man uses gift, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. What's God saying? I've given, or what's Peter saying? I've given you abilities. God has given us each talents and abilities. And he's saying, you need to have the right motive because if you get up here and sing a solo, if you get up here and preach and you have the wrong motive and you're up here just to be seen or preach or do anything or whatever you may do in your life or to serve God, you have to recognize that it's God that's given it to you in the first place. It's not been by you, but it's been by him. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit saying, the Lord. It's simply because God has seen grace upon you and he's now teaching you. And now that you love him and they are able to serve him, you can be used in capacities to serve the Lord. But have the right mindset and know that it's God that giveth the gift and know that it's through him that he could be glorified through Jesus Christ. I'm closing. Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter in the Bible, they say. By faith, 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 by faith. That's the first nine or ten verses, and it's just different names. Verse 13 through 16 is powerful, man. Woo! I read this yesterday, and I was like, that's got to go in the sermon. I copy and paste it so fast. Verse 13 these all died in faith without perceiving the things promised. But they saw them in the distance and welcomed them and acknowledged that they were strangers and foreigners on earth. For those who speak in such a way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Watch verse 15. In fact, so these people in verse 13 and 14, they were aspiring for somewhere. They were going somewhere. They had a place of promise in their future. 
In fact, verse 15, if they had been thinking of the land that they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. We have the opportunity, in a way, to go back to this world, to go back to Egypt. But by faith, we're walking towards knowing that God is coming for his church and knowing that God is not see, that will not leave us nor forsake us. But it, as it is in verse 16, they aspire to be a better land. We aspire to be better Christians, a better church, better servants for the kingdom of God. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Why? Because their heart's in the right place. Their motive and the reason they serve the Lord is in the right manner. Therefore, God is not ashamed to say, I am their God. Because we love him and we obey the first commandment. That is to love the Lord with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind and all thy strength. I want God to look down on us and say, I'm not ashamed to be their God because they love me and they do truth and they worship me in spirit and in truth. And they come to have church because they love me and seek after my face. If I could leave you with just one last thing. In my life, I don't have many talents and abilities. <laughs> I can't sing. I can't play or pronounce half the instruments on this platform. I don't even know how to play the drums. I wish I could, man. I wish I could do all those nifty things. My best friend Luke plays bass. He was like on one of the greatest teams ever at Urshan. Craig, you guys remember Craig. Sing the house down. And then there's good old Petru. Don't do any of that. <laughs> Just don't have it. I've tried. You catch me in my room by myself, oh, American Idol. But you put me out here, yeah. But my heart, my heart has always been this. God's called me to something. And I would not be here if it had not been for the grace of God. And anything that I can do to have the Lord look down on me and say, true, I'm pleased with you. You might not be able to know how to sing or play or do any of that stuff, but, but you serve me. You love me. And that's what I want the Lord to look down on this church and do. I know we make mistakes and I know we, we, we sin. I know that. But, but we ask for repentance and we ask God to just touch us because our heart's desire is to see the glory of God fall in this place every single day. Every single service we come in, we want the glory cloud. We want it to overshadow us. And we want a power and a move and a demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. But we've got to have our hearts right so that angels could come down and minister. Because Lord is looking for a church that will love him and obey all of his commandments. Father, I love you. I really do. I come before you, Lord, and I've taught this lesson, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you'd seep it into our hearts, that you'd let us understand and know, Lord, that it's you that does everything. It's you that does all the work from the foundation of the world. You have had your hand in the midst of everything. 
And God, you've called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. You've had your hand on this church. You have had your hand on these people. Lord, I just ask, Lord, that we'd have the right motive in serving you, that we'd love you with all of our heart, that everything that we do would simply be to glorify you and bring praise to the name of Jesus Christ, that you may be glorified forever and ever. Amen. God, we love you. We worship you. We thank you for this day. And Lord, we want to serve you with everything that we have. We want to bring glory to the name. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Well, I'm done. Go ahead and enjoy fellowship for a little bit. It's 1045 right now. Go ahead and enjoy some time. If you have to use the restroom, get some refreshments, be free to. We will start service hopefully promptly right at 11. So thank you.